You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Enos Cantor, what are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls Basketball and the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, writer of Bulls Basketball and the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and host of the 312 Show on AM 1590 WCGO in Chicago. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at LockedOnBulls. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls. And subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail line is at 331-979-1369. You want to hit us up with your reaction, your voicemails, we do mailbag on Wednesdays every single week. So if you want to hear your voicemails played or if you've got a good enough question, good enough voicemail for us, we'll play it throughout the week. Um, we're going to be doing that today on today's episode as well. We're going back to a voicemail we didn't get to spend enough time on. Um, so hit us up, 331-979-1369. Welcome back, Matt. How are you doing? Uh, some A little bit of Bulls news this weekend, but not too much going on. How was your weekend overall? Pretty good, though? Jordan. What's, uh, what's up? What's going on, Bulls Nation? Happy to be back for another summer week of Bulls talk here on Locked on Bulls. Um, yeah, biggest news, obviously, over the weekend is that the Bulls signed another two-way deal of course it was uh last week that we heard that they uh are signing Antonio Blakeney who was a two-way player last season uh to a full legit roster spot and a real contract and now uh they add another uh, another piece to those uh new two-way deals that exist in the NBA starting from last season and uh it's it's a Lowry Markin and Zona teammate it's a guy who looked pretty darn good playing for the Toronto Raptors summer league team just uh just a couple weeks ago uh Rally Alkins I really like this kid yeah I'm a fan of him too like you look at you look at what he was coming into college and I mentioned this before on Twitter he was the number 21 overall prospect according to 24-7 sports 
you can go to a couple different places to look at top rankings, top 100. Some people like using ESPN. I like using 24-7. So you look at that, number 21 overall in the country, a five-star recruit. Um, the one biggest setback, I think, for his game was when he broke his foot, and that came early in September last year. He missed 8 to 12 weeks, and then he ended up only playing in 23 games for the Wildcats last season. He came back in his first game against Alabama on the on the 9th of December. So you look at that. He had some really good games, though, when he came back. I mean, his second game back with the Wildcats was 26-point performance. He's had a 20-point performance against UConn. Um, but stacking up the 20-plus point game, so you're looking at a guy that can score. He's got length to defend as well. Um, but I'm not I'm not getting too sold on him. Yeah, he had a nice summer league in Toronto. I think this, the two-way contracts that the Bulls give out and have given out the last two years now have really worked out. So I like this idea, especially with the Bulls as far as geography goes. If you look at where their G League team is, is at just up in Hoffman Estates and then you've got them in Chicago too the Bulls were able to use that kind of I think at a better rate than a lot of other NBA teams out there and they've had more success you look at Antonio Blakeney for a fact uh Ryan Archidiakno I think has gotten a lot better uh just in one year of being on that two-way and coming up and coming down so I like it but I'm not buying a ton into it you know what I'm saying like it's a it's a low risk and potentially high reward type of move that the Bulls could make and hell if the Bulls get some injuries like you could call this guy up for 45 days and let him play so yeah I I think that's what it is I mean it's not like we're we should be getting excited about this guy all of a sudden going from being a two-way player to we're going to call him up we're going to use all 45 of those days playing on the Bulls roster and maybe this is a guy that they found that uh, is going to turn into a, a huge piece of this rebuild. But just as far as the Bulls making use of these two-way contracts that are available, I like the fact that they are taking a flyer on this kid because I went back and looked at a lot of his tape from Arizona and I watched him uh, in his summer league games. And there's a lot to like about his game. And honestly, it, I see some resemblances. And when I was giving my reactions to this signing on Twitter earlier this morning, a couple of our our listeners kind of chimed in with this thought, and I agree with them. There's some similarities with David Nwaba, except if David Nwaba was actually willing to shoot the three ball because he's got some defensive versatility, 6'5", 6'9", wingspan, he really active hands in the passing lanes like David Nwaba, loves to get out and run in transition in the fast break like David Nwaba. He's better at finishing at the rim than David Nwaba is. He finishes well with both hands. He follows his misses uh, when he's going in and looking for buckets in the lane. 36.5% three-point shooter in his two years at Zona and looks to be a pretty good catch-and-shoot guy playing at the either the off-guard spot or the small forward spot. Um, there's just a lot to like about this kid. There's a lot to his game that says he's got potential. Yeah, he's a streaky three-point shooter, too. I'm looking at just some of his game logs from the past two seasons. You brought it up. He shot 37% when he's a freshman and just under 36% when he was a sophomore coming back in those games. But I'm looking at some of the game logs, like the game logs where he was tearing it up, like four for seven, four for six from three. So it seems like he's a streaky three-point shooter. If he gets confidence in him, he'll be able to knock those down. Like I said, again, I think it's a low-risk, high-reward type of signing. Um, And the Bulls weren't going to use it, obviously giving Antonio Blakeney a full NBA guarantee contract they had a slot open and I mentioned this to somebody on Twitter as well as I said I said I think this summer league spot and this two-way contract that they were looking for 
they probably initially were looking at that as Dante Ingram spots. He obviously didn't play well enough, nearly well enough uh, to earn a two-way contract. And Raleigh Atkins, like I'm looking at Toronto fans and they were like, why the hell haven't we signed this guy yet? He's played really well. We could use him at the two-way spot or you can even guarantee him a small contract in the NBA. Um, obviously, the Bulls offering him a two-way deal and signing here instead. So it's it's one of those moves that, in another way, it reminds me of David Nwaba. Is like Lakers fans last year were like, "Why the hell did we give up David Nwaba? We really like this guy." Turns out he ended up being good. This isn't exactly the same, but it's kind of funny because Toronto watched him in the summer league and he played really well. And they were all the fans were like, "You yeah, let's sign this guy," and then he ends up coming to the Bulls on a two-way deal. So uh, good move, good move for the Bulls in general. And I, I think. Um, one other thing about this too is is the Bulls are going to suffer injuries this year. It's like it, it's pretty much a known that uh, guys on this team, either in especially if the guys get moved too, injuries plus trades, I think could open up a spot for at least him to get an audition in the NBA at certain times. If guys are hitting rookie walls, whatever you, whatever the case may be, I think um, being able to bring him up for a few games to see what he could do in the NBA, especially if he's lighting it up in the G League, could be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess like the other thing that I would say, um, and this is something that you know some of the the non-believers of this front office are probably thinking about saying, well, all right, well, if this kid is, you know, the the next David Nwaba, uh, and that's kind of a, a player comp that exists, why, did, why didn't the Bulls just keep David Nwaba if they liked the things that he provided for them? Uh, I, I mean, that's a fair question. But you look at what they decided to do in sign, signing Parker to $20 million this season – I think David Nwaba and the Bulls were still far enough apart on those negotiations for a, con- a new contract that the Bulls decided that they were willing to let Nwaba go. Most recently, we're hearing that he's receiving some interest in the or from the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are you know with the post LeBron days going through a, a rebuild of their own right now. But um, look, I think it would have been nice to keep David Nwaba if if the money worked out and and, and the two sides were able to come to terms. But it looks like that that's not going to happen. Uh, so if you want to be upset that the Bulls couldn't make that happen, well, you know, d- did you want the Bulls to sign Jabari? Because and if, if they're signing Jabari, then all of a sudden they really don't have the, the money to pay Nuaba, the, the kind of money that Nuaba was looking for and that he believes he earned with his play last season. So there's that. Yeah, and I look at the other teams that were interested in David Nwaba, like the Kings. Like the Kings just gave Bialica, who was about to head back to Europe to play, a three-year, $20.5 million contract, which blows my mind. And then they Because g- the Kings were like, well, we've got some money to spend. we got to spend it. <laughs> and then they gave Yogi Ferrell a two-year, $6.2 million contract guaranteed. So they pretty much spent all the money that they had. Uh, so the market's like really drying up for David Nwaba. So that's why I'm still interested. I think there's a way that the Bulls could bring David Nwaba back on the MLE. Uh, that's just if I think that's probably last case scenario for David Nwaba. If he doesn't get a contract, a multi-year deal, maybe he does come back with the Bulls and the Bulls still have an open roster spot at this point to give him that if he if they want to bring him back. It just kind of clogs things at, at that point. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. But if 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 he says, you know, see, I'm going to go to Cleveland or wherever, uh, it's a good move for David Nwaba. And I, I hope I wish the best for him, too, because he was good here with the Bulls. And I wish there was a way that they could have retained him. Um, but obviously, the moves that the Bulls made this summer and the way things are shaking out, it doesn't look like he'll be back. But hey, crazier things have happened. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's impossible that uh, Nawaba sees what other options, few options, as you mentioned, are out there and decides that maybe he just wants to 
do an, uh, you know, a one-year mid-level with, with the Bulls and, and make that that. If that's the case, the Bulls really need to trade Justin Holiday. I think they need to trade Justin Holiday no matter what. But you talk about the, the backlog of players that are sort of like that off-guard slash small forward with the addition of Jabari, with the addition of Chandler Hutchison. You still got Denzel Valentine. Uh, you need Zach Levine getting big minutes as a starter at the two spot. Like, the, Justin Holiday needs to go. And especially if they bring Nawaba back on a one-year deal, you want to give that kid some minutes and like get what you can get for Holiday. If you can get a second-round pick for him, fine. If you can get some cash for him, fine. It just doesn't make any sense for him to be on this roster. Yep, right totally, now. totally agree. And hey, 76ers are looking for a shooter, spot-up shooter off the bench, a guy that can create and score. Uh, how about uh, how about uh, Justin Holiday for you? Boom, dude! I, I wrote about that like months ago, saying here's you know if the Bulls were to execute a, a draft night trade, swing something with Philly because they could use as we saw and as I said uh, when I wrote about it, anticipated they lost Marco Bellinelli, one of their best vet three point shooters who went back to San Antonio, former Bull Marco Bellinelli. So to me, that still makes plenty of sense. One last thing before we take a break here on Locked On Bulls, Matt, I. Uh... I had to make a mention of Denzel Valentine getting cooked in the Drew League this weekend. Uh, For those who didn't see that, uh, yeah, the young point guard from the New York Knicks in Frank Nietlakina was absolutely cooking Denzel Valentine. I kind of felt bad for him, but uh, that's what happens when you go into some of these leagues in the summer where these stars are playing or guys that are competitive and are playing in these leagues. Like They're trying to show off their skill, but it's also about bragging rights, too, in a lot of these leagues. if uh, if you haven't seen the video yet, go to Twitter or go to Facebook or YouTube and just look up uh, Frank Neat Lakina in the Drew League, and you will see probably about a minute to a minute and a half of Denzel Valentine just getting absolutely cooked. Well, yeah, I, unless you are a member of the Church of C Red Fred and the Big Red Bus, nobody's ever been praising Denzel for his lockdown one-on-one isolation defense. I mean, that's just not that's not a part of who Denzel is as a player. Um, I you know he and speaking of there is an article from Cowley of the Sun Times today Cowley going to Cowley talking about how Denzel is kind of having a tough a tough off season as far as the moves the Bulls have made and the fact that it's really unclear where he is going to uh, stack up in Fred's off uh, in Fred in Fred's rotation um, playing as like a combo shooting guard small forward for this team the past couple of years and the fact that those positions as we were just talking about are pretty log jammed right now. Uh, and yeah, that, uh, that, uh, Frankie, the Frenchman video going viral on Twitter of just absolutely abusing Denzel. I'm sure that doesn't help. Yeah, and like you pointed out, like Bulls fans know, like Denzel Valentine isn't known to be a defender. Like he was, he made his name last year. We said he had a pretty decent year last year because he shot the ball well and he was able to score. Like nobody was praising him for his defense. So I kind of, it's it's un and I mean it's unfortunate su- summer summer league title, dude. Let's <laughs> I, let's let's give the man True. some credit. <laughs> so it's unfortunate that he gets put in a video like that and. Yeah, I think the the whole conversation about where is he going to play in this rotation, how committed are they really to him, um, it's going to be interesting, man. I think this presses the Bulls even more to try and move Justin Holiday out of this rotation so Denzel Valentine can actually get some legit minutes off the bench next season. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if that actually happens because I don't know. It's it's tough to find a suitor when when you're basically going to pay pennies on the dollar for what Holiday's value could be to a contender. Yeah, and that that was a mailbag that I 
don't think we got to and had time for last week, but somebody texted in questioning about, like, well, how about Denzel as, like, the backup point guard and getting backup point guard minutes? Um, No. I think you and I have talked about that uh, on the show before. Just now. <laughs> yep. I, I, I liked that idea when Butler was still here, and we were talking about being competitive, and campaign was still injured, and it was like, after his rookie season, we kind of had that conversation where like, well, maybe Denzel's a better point guard because he's good with the ball in his hands. He can pass. But yeah, what I saw last year, now I think he can do a couple different things. And like, look, you've got Cameron Payne and Antonio Blakeney now uh, behind that point guard position. So you've got to find spots for those guys, too. And those two dudes can't play off the ball. So um, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer and it's going to be an interesting training camp for Denzel Valentine should the roster stay the way it is. He's going to really have to battle for his minutes in training camp and prove that he can be a legit rotation player after they brought in a couple of these other guys and it looks like Denzel Valentine might be getting squeezed out of minutes coming up this season yeah definitely we got to take a short break here on locked on bulls when we come back we're going to take a voicemail that we played at the end of the, an episode late last week that we didn't get a whole time a lot of time to talk about but it's an interesting factor and we want to replay that here and use that in our conversation so stay right here with us at locked on bulls be back in 60 seconds Hi, LLB, Mr. Malley, Mr. Peck. Um, just reaching out today. Um, listened to you guys' podcast yesterday, uh, going over about the Bulls' direction. I think it's the same direction they've always been going through, the business direction. Uh, it's not Paxson, it's not Gar, it's Jerry, uh, Mr. Reinsdorf. Um, so he's um, the owner of two rebuilding teams, the White Sox and the Bulls. Uh, you can't really have two teams rebuilding at the same time. That's why I think he misses out on that playoff um, money that he makes every year uh, when the Bulls are in the playoffs. I uh, also think another business move that they made, I found it interesting how Jabari Parker plays the three and the four, uh, which happens to be the same position of two guys who are coming up to the last year of their rookie deals and Denzel Valentine and Bobby Portis. I'm thinking maybe the Bulls are having that log in there, so it's harder for Bobby and Denzel to get the type of exposure this year and make more money for the next upcoming season after that. So I think that's really what they're going for with that. Um, also, guys, um, really appreciate the show. I'm glad you guys for what you guys are doing. Um, Back here on Locked on Bulls, Matt Pack, Jordan Malley hanging out with you on a Bulls summer Monday. Just heard from one of our callers leaving a voicemail about the quote-unquote direction that Jordan and I were kind of talking about uh, in last week's episodes as far as where this rebuild is going now. We talked uh, we talked about it with our uh, one of our, la- our guests last week, Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation, kind of saying like, all right, well, wh- what is the motivation behind this rebuild and the direction we're headed? Because it seemed pretty clear after the Butler trade and now one year fast forwarded to present day especially with the recent signing of Jabari Parker it's a little bit different as opposed to we're just going to keep ourselves really flexible for free agency in 2019 and 2020 now it's a little bit different Um, and this caller uh, points out that maybe when it comes to the direction uh, you know that that trigger word for Bulls fans a lot of it is motivated by the business side and ownership and I, Jordan, you know, I'll, I'll touch on this first real quick, and then I want to get your thoughts. I think that this caller is not particularly wrong. I think you are looking at a team that, over the course of the last 
20 years that it's been wow it's 20 years since their the the mj days ended 98 and here we are in 2018 it's been about putting together teams that are good enough to make the playoffs and make some noise and be a a national story to some degree that have none of which have been good enough to really contend for a title the Derrick Rose 2010-11 MVP season where they made it to the conference finals is the closest they've gotten. Um, got to the conference semis in 2015 on the last legs of the D-Rose-Jimmy Tibbs years and and lost to LeBron in the conference semis. And, and it just hasn't been a, a championship contending era. And here we are rebuilding again under the same regime of John Paxson and, and his sidekick Gar Foreman. And you wonder how much of this is motivated to just get back to the playoffs, especially with this Jabari signing. Just put together a young, exciting roster that's going to, A, sell some more jerseys, B, Mm. put more butts in the seats at the United Center, and C, ideally, get us back to the playoffs for at least a series. Maybe two. But if we don't win a title, no big deal. I think, and like, and I think, no, but I mean, honestly, I think that this is, that's what this caller is kind of saying as far as what the direction and drive is. What is the motivating factor here with this ownership group and with this front office collectively? As much as John Paxson says, you know, we want to win, we want to win, and to some degree, I believe him, but especially from the ownership's position, it's about making money. This Bulls team has always been about making money. You're going to make my head explode, and some Bulls fans out there, their heads explode too, but you're not wrong. And that's that's the worst part of this all, is what you're saying right now is you're not wrong. Look, seven first round exits out of the playoffs three second round exits and one conference finals appearance since the Michael Jordan days think about that we haven't been back to an NBA finals since when Michael was back here and we won so you look at that and to me as a Bulls fan like you know how like the the narrative around Bulls fans it feels like is is very cynical and seems like a lot of Bulls fans like the easy way out is the cliched fire gar packs the frustration with the front office like my frustration is is not being legit enough to get back to the NBA finals like when you hit the rebuild button to me you're trading away a star then that's a commitment to try to build a team to get back to the NBA finals not not a first round exit type of team not a team that's going to hang around the the 4 to 8 seed like that's what I'm not interested in doing and I don't want Bulls fans to feel like they're getting tricked again by this front office about what they're doing that's what we're trying to keep our heads on a swivel a little bit here and like repeating the same facts over and over again about the extension for Levine, which both of you and I like, the short-term signing of Jabari Parker. Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say like. I would say we're both okay it's with it. It's more of a wait and see. Not ideal. Right. Yeah. Not. We don't like it. We're okay with it. So it's a wait and see on Levine. It's a it's sort of a wait and see on Parker as well. Like you're bringing in two guys that played less than 40 games last year. Both have injury concerns. Um, And and then you also have to bank on the fact that Chris Dunn's going to get better as a player this year, which I'm confident that he can if he can stay healthy. Lowry Markkinen, you've got to really put a lot of pressure on Lowry Markkinen in year two and year three of turning out to the player that we all want him to be and be the cornerstone of this Bulls team. So to me, 
this is this is a avenue that the Bulls have already pursued before. Like a build a team that's going to work super hard for you is going to battle to be maybe a four or five seed eventually when they get competitive enough. But that's not good enough for me as a Bulls fan now. Like we've been through this before post Derrick Rose era and with all the injuries that happened there. That's kind of where we were hanging out, though, like mired in mediocrity. And I don't want to get back to that same point. Just because you got younger and more athletic doesn't mean that any of these guys could turn out to be superstars. And in the same flip of that, a couple guys could turn out. But what are we banking on here? Like, I thought the plan was in 2019 and 2020 to bring in a proven star right away. But the way that the NBA is going now with stars kind of going behind the backs of owners and everything else and just trying to super team and build up with each other like the Bulls seem like the team that's the odd man out here like who's going to be making those relationships with guys to come here and pair along with guys like Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry Markinen and Zach Levine like you've got a lot of question marks there's a lot of things up in the air right now and I hate to say it but I've said it before I don't think there's really a direction this year as far as where the Bulls want to be at after 2019. Yes, you could you know, you can look at the far negative and you can look at the far positive, but really the reality is is what happens when you're in the middle, when all these guys just play play average or a little bit above average. Then you've got question marks about what you do about Jabari Parker, whether or not you can hit on a free agent in 2019 or 2020. Or whether whether you can think about the Bulls even pulling off a trade to trade for a star. So like all of these question marks to me leads me back to what I said originally is is this team a team getting built to try to get back to the NBA Finals? Are we doing this whole thing where we're going to dance around a first or a second round exit for the next four or five years? And that's what this plan is. So to me, I don't know. Bulls fans, you answer the question for me because a lot of this turns out and looks like we're going to get back to a spot where we're going to be at three, four, five seed and be a second round exit again. Like I hate to say that, but that's where I feel right now. And unless the ceilings of these young players in the core that make up the core all hit and hit higher than we expect and earlier than we expect, you're absolutely right. And that's, you know, going back to the voicemail as far as, you know, what the, the direction and drive and motivation is and talking about a team that decided to trade their best player, a borderline superstar in Jimmy Butler, and blow things up because they were tired of being in the middle and they didn't believe that Jimmy was going to be able to lead them to anything other than first and maybe second round playoff exits. And the middle is the worst place to be in the NBA and in most leagues. So to me, that's why I don't like the quick turnaround from Paxson to say, we don't want to do this again. We don't want to go through a season like the one we just had. We are done tanking. And and so in in so many words he didn't say that phrase but basically that's what he's talking about we're done tanking we want to be competitive again and then go out and sign Jabari Parker to try to in their eyes become more competitive and also make some money in in the meantime to me and I've said this on the show before I think it was in their best interest to go back to the lottery this upcoming season while still investing in the development of guys like Markinen and especially Wendell Carter Jr. who I really really like and use that space to Take on a bad contract, ship off Rolo and or Holiday, and get yourself a draft asset so that coming into 2019, you have lots of cap space for whatever it is that you want to do with it, and you can 
make the pitch that, hey, yeah, we were in the lottery again this year, but look at these pieces that we have. It's pretty interesting, pretty exciting, and we can offer legit two. You want to play with another superstar who's a buddy of yours? We can afford to pay both of you. Not many people in the league can do that. Not many teams in the league can do that. And simultaneously, get yourself another lottery pick in the 2019 draft, and maybe if you use that cap space this year to get an asset, you can package that and try to trade up, which is something that they didn't do this year. So... I'm just saying, like, that's where I think that the direction should have been. That's where the motivation should have been. Because we talk about Philly. Really, I like Boston and talking about rebuilds on the fly and how quickly that team turned over from the end of the KG, Paul Pierce, Rondo years. Ray Allen. Like, that, that is the exception, not the rule. Rebuilds usually take a long time, and you, you want to have a superstar young talent that you get through the draft. You got to take a few swings. And the Bulls took one swing, and you know who knows? Maybe that between trading up for Lowry last year and getting Wendell this year, the the two pieces they got in the first round of of the you know first round lottery turn out to to pan out and to be two great pieces to build around. But to me, it's still not enough. It's still not enough. And this okay, well here here we're going to throw twenty million at Jabari Parker. Everybody go out to the, your local bull store and buy some Jabari Parker jerseys. And uh, by the way, maybe we'll make the playoffs as a 7 or 8 seed. Putting yourself right back in the situation you were two years ago when you decided that what you needed to do was break it down and get rid of Jimmy and start over. And look, both of you, you and I, we, we've said multiple times that the Bulls needed to hit that rebuild button. Like, we were okay with getting rid of Jimmy Butler. We liked Jimmy Butler as a Bulls player here. But it was time. It was time. The, the Bulls said adamantly that they weren't going to sign Jimmy Butler to a max contract and that they didn't feel like he was the guy to build around. Fine. That's okay with me. I can I can survive going through a rebuild if I'm looking at young players and I say, you know what? That guy is going to be a cornerstone here for the next 10 years. That guy is going to be a guy that brings us to a playoff, to multiple playoff appearances, to multiple conference appearances. Can you can you say that confidently right now about any of these guys on this team right now? I can think of one, and I'm okay with finding out what what Levine st- what Levine has and what Levine can potentially be. And I think that might take a couple years. Parker, I think I'll just keep coming back to Parker because I- I'm stuck. I'm stuck, Matt. If if Parker doesn't play well, if he's bad, if he's hurt, fine. The Bulls can cut him. That's great. If he plays up to his potential and he ends up being like a borderline all-star, looks like a guy that can play the three and can stay here for long term, fine. That's great too. But I'm coming back to the more realistic option here. Is Parker that he's plays, mediocre. Yep. Or, that he's or, mediocre and the Bulls have another ugly decision on their hands a year from now. Or just slightly above that. You know, he's hanging around slightly above average, but not to the point where you can renegotiate a contract long term for this guy and feel comfortable that maybe he's your number two or number three on a a contending team in the east I I look around the east right now the Boston Celtics are going to be really good for a long time and they have assets to to continue to obtain all-stars the 76ers are in a position where they can obtain all-stars as well like I'm looking around and like if Kawhi Leonard stays in Toronto next year and signs long-term, now you're talking about three teams that could be super competitive for the long-term in the East. And, like, I'm looking at this Bulls team, and I'm like, okay, if you've got injury concerns with Levine and Parker, you don't really know if Lowry Markin is going to be that all-star 
caliber player that you want him to be. You don't know what Chris Dunn is going to be. Like, I look at all of this, and this is all just a bunch of question marks that I hate. And look, this might play out in 2018, 2019, and we'll find out. But uh, back to the voicemail overall is I understand where you're coming from as far as a business over getting back to championships. Is it about making money or is it about winning championships? And the history continues to tell me that this team over the last 20 years is about making money more so than they are about winning championships. And that's that sucks. That sucks as a Bulls fan to hear. But that's where I'm at right now. And I'm hoping things work out. And I'm trying to be optimistic about marketing, about marketing, about Dunn, about Levine, about Parker, and about Carter. I'm trying to be optimistic here. But to me right now, still a lot of question marks of whether or not these guys can, one of these guys or two of these guys can turn out to be budding superstars. And uh, and just to, to finish up on this and touch on the, the tail end of that voicemail asking about the the Parker signing and maybe this is ownership and or the front office kind of uh, hedging themselves with the situations upcoming with Bobby Portis and Denzel Valentine, two guys that have expiring contracts coming up. Bobby's got one more year. Denzel's got one more year and then a team option situation. So, hey, you know, Jabari plays the three and the four. Let's get a guy in there. Denzel plays the three, Bobby plays the four to take some of those minutes so that Bobby and Denzel have less fewer opportunities to showcase their skills, to decrease their value, whether it's negotiating with the Bulls or going into restricted free agency. That I, I see, I see your logic there, um, but I think it's a little misleading, and I, I, that's that would be some pretty dark future future aimed conspiracy there from the Bulls front office. For as much as we've talked about what this this front office and ownership group cares about as far as making money over winning titles. That to me is a bit of a stretch. yeah. I think I'm there with you. I, I, I like. I, I think their motivation to sign Parker was not to diminish the value of guys like Valentine and Portis. I think the motivation to sign Parker was sell some jerseys, sell some tickets, and maybe we'll get back to the playoffs this season. That knowing this Bulls front office and their motivations that we've just discussed, that is the motivation to sign Parker. I'm with you too. I don't think it has anything to do with trying to be cynical towards. Uh, the value of guys like Bobby Portis and Justin Holiday and a few of these other guys like Chris Dunn's going to be up for an early extension talk too. And I think that's where it gets lost on Bulls fans. It's like, okay, yeah, we have young talent right now, but it's going to cost us in a couple of years when you have to talk about early extension and negotiation and like, where are you going to come up with that money if you do decide to re-sign Parker long-term? And the Bulls kind of shot themselves in the foot. I think about it this way. Is they shot themselves in the foot a little bit with putting Parker's minimum right now at $20 million per year. If Parker plays bet, plays well this season, and you're talking about a re, uh, renegotiation, you're not paying Parker anything min- below $20 million if he plays well. On a long-term deal, you're talking about paying right. him 22 to $24 million a year on a long-term deal. So... That's where I think because it's not like you can renegotiate and say, "Oh, well, we we found out that you're actually not worth that much." Because if the Bulls decide that he's not worth the twenty million they paid him this year, then they're going to let him walk. So it's not like there exists a situation where they renegotiate with Parker and pay him less. That's not happening. So, and if they pick that option up for next year, or if they renegotiate and sign him long term after this season. Like realistically, we were talking about it. You only have sixteen to eighteen million dollars in cap space free next year if you bring Parker back. 
look, the Bulls can go into go into the luxury tax if they want, but that's not something that I think even even remotely makes sense for the Bulls right now, and especially if we're talking about and, a team that's trying to make money, not spend money. And something that Jerry Reinsdorf hates doing. So very interesting questions. I want to put it back on Bulls fans, though. Everything that we talked about here, where do you feel like this rebuild is going and the direction that this team can go in? Because not only do you have to think about the potential on the floor, but you also have to think about the cap space that the Bulls have. And how do you assemble a team that is young like this, but with contracts like Levine's where you've paid him $78 million and then potentially having to re-sign Jabari Parker if he plays well? Is that enough? Is that enough to be a top four team? Is that enough to get you back to the Eastern Conference Finals? Is that enough to get you to a finals eventually? So I want to put that back on Bulls fans and what you guys think about uh, the the argument between the business side of the game and whether it's earning money or it's winning championships. Which do you feel this this team is going and what direction do you feel? You, you can hit us up at 331-979-1369, text and voicemails there. So drop us everything you've got there. If you want to hit us up on social media, on Twitter, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Just real quick, because it's hilarious and it just came across my Twitter timeline. Uh, not Bulls related, but uh, CBS Sports just tweeted, if Carmelo Anthony signs with the Rockets, Sportsline, which is a handicapping and, and betting Twitter uh, Twitter account, Sportsline projections decrease the Rockets championship chances from 4.8% to 3.9%. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that was the biggest news this morning. Mark Stein uh, tweeting that it is getting closer and closer to Melo finalizing his move to the Rockets to join CP3 and Harden. I think that's pretty hilarious that a betting uh, a betting site has their championship odds decreasing if Melo comes to play for Absolutely them. Absolutely unreal. Once again, hit us up on social media. Drop us a text or a voicemail here at Locked On Bulls. Tomorrow, we have David Haw of the Chicago Tribune with us. We're going to be doing an interview with him. So it should be pretty fun talking about Zach Levine's contract, some of the things that the Bulls did this summer, what he feels like, where he feels like this Bulls direction is going, uh, maybe compared to some some of the things that we think, or as, as we put it, you Bulls fans, how do you guys feel about this going into year two and maybe thinking about a couple years down the road? So hit us up, 331-979-1369 is our text and voicemail line. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com, and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. We're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time on the Nothing But Net channel. Follow us on social media on Twitter, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Locked on Bulls, and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow with our interview with David Haw. For Matt and Jordan, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com, part of FanRag Sports.